Father God, we extol and magnify your glorious name. There's nobody like you, Lord. We thank you that today we can be found in the house of God, bringing our praise, bringing our worship and our adoration to the King of kings, the Lord of glory, the Prince of peace. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can be found. And, Lord, you said we're two are gathered in your name, two or three. Lord, there you are. And so, Father, we're fully confident that, Lord, you are here this morning to touch us, to minister to us, to change us, to encourage us, to build us up, to do that which you need to do in each and every one of us. And so, Father God, we we just pray that there would be an anointing upon everything that's said and done. I pray that you would take the words that you've given me and, Lord, that you would break them as bread to our spirit, that we would not hear just the voice of man, but the Word of God would catch fire in our spirit, that the Word of God would would explode in our hearts and lives, bringing life and change, bringing the transformation that you desire. And so, Father, we pray for your outpouring through the Word today. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everyone said, Amen. Praise God. You know, I was just uh, waiting on the Lord, thinking, Lord, what is it that I, I want to... Uh, that you want me to bring and I felt God speak to me about the glory of the new man and uh, I, I, what I'm going to share with you this morning is really the outworking of, of that process and, and so if you've got your Bibles with you I'd like to invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 3 and uh, we're going to look at a few verses there Colossians chapter 3 we're going to look, start from verse 8 Colossians 3 and 8 It says this, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image or the likeness of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. Father, we just pray that you bless the word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Uh, could you repeat uh, the text? No, no, Colossians. We have this. Colossians chapter 3 and verses 8 through 11 is what we looked at. Colossians 3, Thank you. 8 through 11. Praise God. Okay. So... I don't know about you, but you know, I, I try to be spiritual, uh, not only when I'm, I'm standing here in, in front of you, but every moment of my life. And I'm sure that you uh, experience the same kind of thing. You've committed to, to living the spiritual life. But how many would be honest enough to know that sometimes when somebody cuts you off in, in, in the road, or that parking you've been waiting so long for, somebody sneaks in, something happens. It's like the old man rises. It's... Dracula suddenly emerges and what? What happened? I thought I was a spiritual guy. And so, you know, it's kind of an interesting kind of concept that we, we, we're trying to put the old man to death. The truth is, he's dead. Amen? Amen. And sometimes he tries to uh, uh, imitate a resurrection, but he's not coming alive in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, I know that this doesn't apply to anybody in this church, but I'm really sharing that with you so that you can help other guys in other churches, okay? (laughs) Okay. So, but our text this morning is really a revelation of the glorious work of the cross. 
you know, that we with all our faults and our failings can become just like Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. It is mind-blowing. But this is the plan and the purpose behind the gospel. That we become multiplied. That Jesus Christ was the seed that produced many sons to glory. And so we're to be just like Jesus in everything we do and say. We are changed. We are being transformed uh, into His image, His likeness. From glory to glory. And we are being changed to be just like Him. Wow. I think about that, and the more I think about it, the more excited I become, because I begin to realize that God has not left me to my own devices. He's working in me and changing me. Thank God that I'm not the person that I was. But, you know, the, the amazing thing is I'm not yet the person I'm going to be. God is still working and changing me and transforming me. And, and what I say about myself is true for each and every one of us. Can you say amen? amen. You see, we're changed or transformed into His image. Or His likeness. We're becoming just like Him. And so uh, we, we can be kind, we can be gracious, we can be loving, we can be strong. But even more importantly, we're separated unto the Lord of glory. We're separated and belong to God. We're sanctified to walk in His presence, becoming just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is looking upon us and He's saying, I'm taking you on a journey and I'm changing you. I'm transforming you. I'm making you moment by moment into a better person. And so it becomes really incredible and, and that we are called to manifest the life of Christ. To manifest Jesus Christ to a sick and dying world. We are to, to be just like Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit is trying to change us and trying to transform us. I, I want you to look at John chapter 4 and I'm going to read a couple of verses, two verses, uh, 15 and 17. So John chapter 4, verse 15 says, Who shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God? That's each and every one of us. Can I have an amen? Amen. I love it. Each and every one of us that confess that Jesus is the Son of God. God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. If you just pause and just think about the magnitude of that statement just for a second. Christians are the habitation, the holy temple of God Almighty. He dwells within us and we within Him. And the more you think about it, the, the more mind-blowing it becomes. Verse 16 says, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. And the next verse, I, when I first read this nearly 50 years ago, I, I, it kind of exploded. And, and, and it's staggering in its import. Verse 17 says this. But as He is, and it's referring to Jesus, as He is, so are we in this world. So the work of the Holy Spirit is making us like Jesus so that when the world looks at the Christian, they don't see us with all our warts and our, thoughts, our, our failings, but we are manifesting the life of Christ. We are showing Jesus to a, a dying world. That's the plan of the Holy Spirit. So, <clears throat> to be like Jesus, the Lord of glory in this world, here and now, is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do uh, in each and every one of us. If you take a moment and just pause and think about the fact that we are becoming more and more like Jesus. Do me a favor. Would you look at the person next to you and tell you, say, say to them, Hey, you're looking more like Jesus today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Praise God. Isn't it wonderful news to know that we're becoming more and more like Jesus? More like Jesus today. Praise God. You know, the truth is, that would be impossible without the working of the Holy Spirit. None of us could really reflect the glory of Christ. Uh, but the good news is, the message of the gospel is that this is precisely what Jesus came to do in you and I. And so he, he, he wants to establish his life, his, his manifest his glory in, in the world uh, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what the gospel is all about, that Christ has come into us to change us uh, in such profound ways that we manifest Jesus Christ. All we need to do is yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be saying a lot more about that as we go through. But you know, as you yield to God, He is going to manifest His life in us. And it's a choice. We can, we can choose to go our own way, or we can choose to follow the way of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's important that we, we do that. So, that we follow the ways of the Holy Spirit. I want us to look at a, a very well-known passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That word, word behold means to examine closely, to look carefully, to, to take apart and really see what's going on here. And so God is saying, hey, I want you to really see what I have done for you in salvation. I really want you to understand the work of my, my Holy Spirit. So it says that we are new creatures, a new kind of being, a different person through Christ. Christ has fundamentally changed who we are when he came to dwell inside us and continues to change us into the image of God. We're a new creature, a new kind of being, a different person. In Christ, we have a new beginning, a new life. We can have a new start anytime we like. We can begin again because we are new creatures. It's really interesting. The Bible says that we are new creatures in Christ, the King James. And uh, if, you, if you look at that word uh, creatures in, in the Greek, it's, it's katissus. And katissus really uh, means uh, creation. So, and it comes from the, the, the root word katizo. And, and katizo really means to make or to create. So what that's telling us is that in Christ, He is making or creating a brand new kind of person. A brand new man, a brand new woman in the image of His likeness and greatness. He is making us to be just like Christ. And it's exciting, it's wonderful as we begin to look at that. It means that He's made us new. He's recreated us to be just like Jesus. In other words, our new identity is just like Jesus. I ask you, is that the way you see yourself? Created to be just like Jesus? You know, we ought to be, because that's the message of the gospel, that Christ is working in us, trying to to bring about, to change us, to transform us, that we might reflect His glory to a sick and dying world. He's recreated us. We're not who we were born to be. We, we are new creatures, new creations that God has made to be just like Christ. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> so our new identity is Christ-likeness, gloriously created, made by God to be just like Christ. And this is the way that God sees us. So God's done this amazing work at salvation. 
I, I, I must confess, I've become a bit of a, a, an addict. Uh, don't, don't worry, it's just a TV addict. I, I've really become hooked on these DIY programs and uh, how, they, how they come and they, they take this, this run-down house and uh, they, they buy it and they come in and they totally remake this house. They, they knock down walls, they, they knock down rooms, they totally repaint, re, retile, refurbish, repurpose. And by the time they finish doing everything that they've done, by the time they stage this, there's this amazing transformation. And the value of that house has been changed astronomically, sometimes by the, the tens of thousands of dollars because of the work that's been done. You know, it, that, that's... Uh, really what Christ has done for us. But let me just say, if you buy a house like that, that has been totally transformed, totally renovated, looking fantastic, how many will say to me, it doesn't stay like that way. You've got to do a little bit of work in order to keep it looking its best. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you, Lois. I appreciate that. One of them that's called Cookie. There's always upkeep in a house, sorry, And you know, that's what Christ has done for us. Our lives were, were broken and falling apart, and Christ came into our life and changed us. He's remodeled us, He's remade us into the image of Jesus Christ. There has been a glorious transformation in the Spirit uh, that, that makes, makes sure that we are new beings, totally different people. And so we need to do a little bit of maintenance from time to time, despite the fact that God has done this amazing work at the cross. And he says in our text that we're to put off certain things. Um, so God has made us unique. He's made us special. He's made us wonderful. He's made us to be just like our master. But we do need to do some spiritual maintenance from time to time. And one of the things he says is put off anger and wrath. You know, we were having a prayer meeting a, a couple of a couple of months ago, and, and uh, a couple a couple of people started owning up to the fact that they had a, a little bit of an anger problem, and I I had to say yes, I that's one of the things I have to work on constantly. Um, and it was amazing how many people identified with anger, and you know, I think none of us are immune from getting angry. But the Bible says that we're this new creature and that we've been created again and that we have to deal with this anger. We need to put it off. We need to make sure that we're not going down that particular road. Uh, so put off anger and wrath. Somebody once said, self-control is much better than dealing with the problems caused by anger. <laughs> I think they got a hole in one there. Psalm 78 and verse 38 says this, but he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquities and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time he turned his anger away and did not stir up his wrath. That is the picture of how God deals with mankind. He turns away from his many a time. He doesn't stir up his wrath. And we are now recreated to be just like our Heavenly Father. And so we have to turn away from wrath. God's done it. He's broken that power, that chain reaction. He's broken that in us so that we can live brand new lives. And we don't need to yield um, to, to anger and wrath. Psalm 103 verse 8 says this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous of mercy. My new identity, my recreation is that I'm slow to anger. 
But it says I've got to be renewed in this knowledge. And the more I tell myself, hey, I'm slow to anger, the better I become. Okay? And so we've got to see our new identity in Christ in order to possess it. And so we, we tell ourselves that we are slow to anger. Tell somebody next year, I'm, I'm slow to anger. I'm slow to anger, sweetie. I'm, slow. I'm, I'm getting better, aren't I? Yeah, but your wife doesn't get angry. My wife doesn't get angry, no. I've learned so much from her. You can also say, I'm a little bit slower to anger, like two weeks ago. Yes, amen. If we are ten percent better, well, that's quite good. Yeah, it's very good. <laughs> but did you notice that in our text it said that the, that the new man is renewed in knowledge? So understanding that this is what God is trying to do in us, He's making us like Jesus. God is slow to anger, and so the Holy Spirit is trying to put the brakes on our anger all the time. And we need to yield to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in order that we might manifest the life that God has created us. I love this particular one in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1. It says, A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. There was a, a really uh, beautiful uh, minister's wife in, in, in Zimbabwe. She it uh, was stunningly beautiful. Uh, she was only about five foot two, but you know, really, but she was amazing and and uh, very humorous. But you didn't want to get on the wrong side of her because she could cut you up and leave you bleeding, but so so nicely. You know, it was like, oh, how does she do that? So she she had this reputation of um, you know just being being. Uh, Quite feisty, uh, but in such a loving way. And the one day she was, she was uh, driving in rush hour traffic and her car conked out. And this guy behind her is blowing his hooter, shaking his fist and shouting. And so she gets out the car, all five foot two of her. She was just above the, 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 the door window. And she walked up to him and smiled so sweetly. She said, gee, I'm terribly sorry. He said, my car's not working I, I, and I can't seem to get it going. Could we change places? And I can stand here and blow the hooch and shout at you while you try to fix my car. <laughs> the guy got so embarrassed. He said, look, I'm sorry. And he got out the car and he got it going for him. A soft answer <laughs> turns away wrath. Hallelujah. You know, it took me a long time to learn this. You know, when I was a young man, I got angry at the drop of the hat because I had so much hurt inside of me. And when I would get angry, I'd lose total control. And I wouldn't stop until everything was destroyed around about. I would break anything and everything. I would just destroy. I was a whirlwind. And when I calmed down, I looked around at the devastation. And I was really sorry for the things I did because it took me months months and months to replace some of the things that I'd broken in my anger. I hadn't learned to control my anger at that point. And I was, you know, really a, a, a violent person. Modern psychiatry says, you know, let it all out. Vent. I did, and I'm telling you it was the most devastating advice I've ever received. It's bad news. But that's what the, the psychiatrist is telling us today. The Word of God tells us something totally different. Proverbs 19 and verse 11 says, Good sense, and I'm reading this from the Amplified, this says, Good sense makes a man restrain his anger. Wow, what a revelation that was to me. <laughs> and his glory is to overlook a transgression 
or an offence. It is his glory that makes him overlook a transgression and offence. We need to restrain our anger and overlook offences. And here I want to say that my wife has been the incredible example in my life. I cannot find a, a more gracious, more loving, more kind woman than my wife. She has changed me in ways that I'm still discovering. <laughs> you know, she never gets angry, you know. Um, she never gets petulant. And, and uh, you know, she, I, I've just seen the way she had... I've been nasty. And because I had this... When, I, when we first... I was nasty to her. Still am sometimes, but nothing like I used to be. And I'm getting better. So please don't give up on me just yet. But back then, I was so nasty. And uh, so she... Uh, Actually, sir, okay, I'm just feeling that the Holy Spirit is prompting me to tell you the story. And I, I was really, uh, uh, this week, I, I got angry. I had, I had a relapse. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm not parading all my victories in front of you. I want to be real with you. This, this happened just last week. I was really upset with Fee. And so, I, I, she went, we, this is in the middle of the week. And she was being so kind to me, which made me mad. I didn't like it. <laughs> So I, I put on the radio, and I said, I, I said I, I, I'm not going to... Uh, she said, um, didn't say a word, but this is late at night, this is bedtime, and I put the radio on. And so she said to me, um, uh, the radio? Uh, and I said, if you don't like it, go and sleep in the other room. Oh, I, 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 had a, I hadn't spoken to my wife like that in 40 years, but that night, I did. Do you do you know what my wife? If if I said that, if my dad had said that to my mother, my dad would have been clobbered. I'm <laughs> mom would have clobbered. But you know, you know what my wife did? She just lay there quietly and quietly got up and went to the other room. And I felt so guilty. I felt so miserable afterwards. How can I behave like that after all? That was so out of character. For, yes. for, so out of character these days. But it, it was like a flashback. But I bet that hurt you more than anything else. Oh, dude, dude, I feel Good. guilty. And I'm still paying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <laughs> recommend <laughs> that at all. <laughs> okay. Well, it's it's hard for me. So the last thing is, if I've got the radio on, it's a figure this. Or something like is it? She said she had a better sleep too. Gonna sleep in there more often. I'll have to move in there too. (laughs) But you know that that was so out of character. But it was a flashback, and I thought, Lord, I'm sorry, and I'm I'm genuinely uh, repenting over that, And, and. um, you know, and trying to, to make make that right, but that was that was the kind of the way I used to behave forty years ago. I don't know why that happened, but we need to control our anger. So I'm not saying to uh, you need to control your anger, people. You know, you need no. I'm, I'm like you. I'm struggling on the same same journey. You know, but I came across this this particular um, uh, uh, a doctor. Why doctors need to attend anger management. And uh, I think this doctor really con- controlled himself in, a, in an amazing way. He says, a woman came running to the doctor, shouting and screaming in pain. Please, doctor, you've got to help me. I've been stung by a bee. Doctor, don't worry about it. I'll put some cream on it. The woman looked shocked. 
You'll never find that bee. It's miles away by now. That's <laughs> good. No, you don't understand. I put, on, I put cream on the place where you were stoned. Oh, that happened in the garden, but how will that help? <laughs> the doctor, controlling his anger, said, No, no, no. I mean, which part of the body did the bee sting you? The woman still screaming in pain said, The finger. The bee stung me on the finger, and it really hurts. The doctor, pulling his hair out, said, Which one? The woman looked, How do I know, doc? All bees look the same to me. <laughs> I think he constrained his anger admirably. <laughs> Hallelujah. Psalm, Proverbs 16, verse 32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Love it. And he that ruleth his spirit, than he that taketh a city. You know, we honor conquerors, you know. We, we, we hail them as heroes because they go into a fortified city and, we, and they, they overcome. And we think, man, that, that, that guy's an overcomer. He's a conqueror. And we, we, you know, we really look up to people like that. But you know, from God's perspective, God says this, if you control your temper, you are better than they are. There's hope for me. You're getting ahead of my message. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to say that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's important that, that we, from God's perspective, He says, when we control our anger, we are better than the mighty. We bet we that you know we are like conquerors to to God when we control our anger. You see, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And where does the Holy Spirit? He resides in me. <laughs> and so the Holy Spirit has given us this ability for self-control. We don't need to, to rent and rage. And I'm sorry I didn't yield the other night, but I'm trying much, much more now to do that. So anyway, moving on very quickly. Okay. It says, temperance. That's what the Bible calls self-control. So Christ has given us this self-control, and we can choose how to react. One of the strongest principles in life is the power of choice. The truth is, we are all uh, the, the, the product of all our choices. Whether they are conscious or unconscious choices, we are the product of all the choices that we've made. So if we can control the way our, our choices operate, we can actually control our life. And God has given us the spirit of self-control so that we can be different. It's not that you'll never make another mistake, but you will make them far less uh, as you begin to progress with God. So, why can we do that? Because we must choose then to, to put on uh, self-control instead of anger. Put on tranquility rather than rage. Peace over strife. So we put on peace, tranquility, and self-control because these are the characteristics of God who's inhabiting us and is trying to express His life through us. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, we can manifest these qualities. The Bible says a little bit more maintenance. Can you do a little bit more maintenance? <laughs> I love you. Put off all malice. The Oxford Dictionary says malice is the desire to harm someone. Now, I know that this is not for anybody here. 
Okay? But I, if we're really honest, there, there are times we all wanted to harm somebody. We all, they've all got up our nose. And the Bible actually addresses this in, in, very, uh, in a very powerful way. You know, in Genesis 34, one of Jacob's daughters, uh, Dinah, uh, he, had, he had 12 sons, but he also had a daughter. And in Genesis 34, uh, she's gone to visit some friends and she gets raped by Haman, one of the, the Hittites. And now the family are, are absolutely incensed uh, that, that, that she should be treated like this. And, uh, you know, the amazing thing was that, that Hamar, who raped her, uh, um, or Shechem, I should say, who raped her, uh, is, is captivated by her. And, and he falls in love with her. And so he says to his father, Hamar, he says, I want you to go and, and, and negotiate. Uh, 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 I've got to have this woman as my wife. And... Uh, you can imagine how Jacob was feeling with his daughter being raped. There was murder in his heart. And so he actually answers the people deceitfully when, when the, the Hivites come to him and they say, look, you know, you name the bride price, anything you want, you know, uh, we, we, will, we will match that price. We realize that we've wronged you and we will, we'll do our best to make it right. And so Jacob and his sons decided that um, that they, they weren't having any of it. They were set on revenge. They had malice in their hearts. And so they said to them, they answered them deceitfully, the Bible says. They said, you know, we, we can only consent to, to live amongst you and intermarry with you uh, if you would consent to, to being circumcised, that all the males in the city be circumcised. They looked at that and they went back to their people and they recognized that there was much financial gain uh, in, in uniting these two peoples, that the, the Jewish people were, were quite wealthy. And so they, they decided that this would be a very beneficial covenant. So they went back and they said, okay, we, we, we will agree to that. All our males will become circumcised. And on the third day, when they were really uh, in, in a lot of pain because of the circumcision, the, the uh, two sons of, of um, Joseph, uh, Jacob, went into, uh, into the city with their swords. And it's very interesting that they were able to sneak up and uh, uh, really take out the men one by one because they, they, were, they were unable to retaliate because of their injuries. So after the slaughter, Jacob's other sons looted the town for revenge. And, uh, the, and they took their, uh, their sister back because she was staying uh, with these Hivites. And after they killed all the men, they, they retrieved their sister and they took everything that was of worth uh, in the city. And when it was told to Jacob, you can read in verse 35, Then Jacob said to Levi and Simeon, You have made me stink amongst all the people of the land, all the Canaanites and the Perizzites. We are so few <coughs> that they will come against us and crush us, and we will all be killed. He realized that because of, because of this un checked uh, desire for malice that they were now in a very precarious place that they they were all vulnerable they could all possibly be killed if if they united against them and came uh, as one group (coughs) excuse me I just want to get a drink of water my throat's a bit dry so you know people say some, pay, some people, anyway, say revenge is sweet. You've heard that. You know, but the truth is, blood only begets blood. Look at Northern Ireland and just see how, the, how the, the, the revenge killings have led to revenge killings that have led to revenge killings. And the war has just dragged on for an eternal amount of time. 
you know, Gandhi said, uh, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. I think he was, he was onto something there. But you know, this, this desire for malice is one of the most destructive things that we can imagine. There's a story, a true story about the, the Hatfields and the McCoys, two families that lived in America. And uh, it all started over a pig, if you believe it or not. These two families were squabbling over who, who this pig belonged to. Uh, and at, at the end of it, um, there were 13 people that were murdered over a 100-year period. It's one of the greatest feuds in human recorded in American history. How the Hatfields and McCoys, these two families, murdered 13 uh, people in their families over a pig. You see, blood begets blood. There has to be a better way of dealing with grievances. And Jesus came up with, with it. And, and I'm sorry, you're not going to like it, but it's really important that we embrace it because there's no other alternative that really works. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Wow. Jesus, are you kidding? You know, that, that is a tall order. But you know, it only becomes possible when we understand what God has done for us. When we understand the grace and the mercy that He has extended. God says, I have forgiven you of anything and everything you've ever done and will ever do. I, I offer you this covenant of total forgiveness, complete cleansing. I forgive you of everything. And when we sit back and just remember from what we have been forgiven of and our own personal sins, and God says, no charge, I have forgiven you. Then, and only then, can we start to exercise the grace that God has given to us. But while we focused in on, on what they've done to us, we'll never get there. But as soon as we focus in on what Jesus has done at the cross and how He's forgiven us all things, then we are able to actually love our enemies. The world can't do this. The world has no understanding of this because they don't understand the, the free gift of grace that's been given to us. They don't understand the mercy that we've received. And because God lives within us, He wants to inspire us now to love our enemies because He's forgiven us so much. We can now forgive others. Amen? Amen. Again, it comes back to the choice. Are we going to let God live His life through us, or are we going to live it our way? I can tell you, if we live it our way, it's going to end in tears and disaster. But if we choose the hard way, if we choose the way of the cross, it'll bear a peaceable fruit in Jesus' name. So, how much we can do this because God lives within us and He has forgiven us so much. And the more we, we think that God lives in me and wants to change me, I can then extend grace. You know what, what the gospel did to you, to you and to me when we finally understood what God was offering, how, we, how He was holding nothing against us? What happened? Our hearts melted and we, we surrendered unto Jesus. You know, and that same Jesus lives within us. And when we offer that same grace, that same mercy to other people, they are going to melt because they know they don't deserve it. And so that's why God's ways are the best ways. And that's why He, he wants to do us. So we, we need to remember to put off anger and wrath, put off malice. 
put off one last one, filthy communications. Oh. <laughs> it's a Greek word, askrologia. And it really means <coughs> anything that's vile, anything that's corrupt, any language uh, word. You can hear that word logia is where we get the word logos from, which means the word. And, and the eye scroll means the, the uh, actual corruption or the, the, the putrefaction uh, of that. So when you put them together, it's, it's vile words, uh, bad language. Um, and we have to watch the things we say. Uh, dirty jokes would certainly be included in this. You know, when we speak like this, we defile the work that Christ has done us. And it, it, it becomes a, 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 a compromise. And it brings shame and disgrace upon the worthy name of Jesus. I was watching a DIY program. And this guy went out again. And you know, he was hammering away. And he was hitting this thing really hard. And he was moving this thing. And he clips his finger. And man, he's holding his thumb. And he says, ah. he said, I want to say so many terrible words. Right now, I thought, wow, that's the way to handle it. He was putting off the old man and putting on the new. And I just thought, man, a huge respect because he hammered his thumb really hard. And he said, I'm not giving in to, to vile communication, corrupt communication. I thought that, that was an amazing um, a demonstration of how to put off the old and to put on the new. That Greek word, aeskrologia, uh, actually means corruption. And uh, so corrupt words would include things not only like dirty jokes, but what about slander and gossip? You know, you, you've been tempted to, to talk about somebody else. Uh, gossip, one definition of gossip is hearing something uh, you like about somebody you don't like. Well, that's a pretty good definition of gossip, you know. Um, but it, it's important that we, we see gossip uh, as really the tools of the enemy. I've never seen it like this, but I thought it was quite interesting. Gossips are like thieves. How many of you think that, that sounds really strange? Uh, it, it, that, man, I don't see gossips like this. I certainly didn't. But gossips are like thieves. Why? Because they steal another person's dignity, their honor, and their reputation. They steal your credibility, which is sometimes impossible to restore. Remember this, when you slip with your feet, you can always recover your balance. But when you slip with your tongue, you cannot always withdraw the words that you've spoken. And so we need to be very careful about gossip and about bad jokes and about bad language. Because these are things that are corrupt, these are called corrupt communications. You know, Jesus always used his words to elevate and to build up people. He spoke life. And that's what we are called to do, to speak life, to rid ourselves of all uh, dirty jokes, bad language, uh, gossip, and all these uh, negative connotations to change. Because we're better than that. Because we are made, recreated to be just like Jesus. And Jesus spoke life. So, we are now to speak life, uplifting, encouraging people, speaking words of life, faith, hope, truth, Turning away from wrath and strife and filthy communications. How do we do this now? Let's come to the heart of the text as we close this off this morning. Colossians 3.10 And you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created it. 
the change, the mechanism that allows us to be like Christ is coming to understand what God is trying to do in us. How He's trying to work through us. Okay? I, I, I wanted to, to develop that, that thought. Now, how best to express that verse? And so I was looking through all the different Bible versions. And I, I, I like some from this version. And I like some from that version. And, and so I thought, I'm going to put them together. Uh, so I'm going to give you a hybridization of uh, Colossians 3.10. And it reads like this. This is from the Living Bible. You are living a brand new kind of life. The Amplified says, which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded further and into a more perfect knowledge. Back to the Living Bible. To be more and more like Christ who created this new life within you. This new life is manifested by understanding that what Christ comes through knowledge. And as you know and understand that this is what Christ is trying to do in us, to make us like Jesus, to make us more like Him, then we are able to, to actually manifest that to a, a dark and dying world. So the more we understand Christ's indwelling and empowering, the more we'll experience this wonderful transformation, this glorious new life that Christ has given us. Knowledge is the key to this change. The more we invest time in the scriptures, the more we understand what Christ is saying, the more He is empowering us, the more He is enabling us, the more He is working in us to bring about the changes that make us more like Him. Hallelujah. So let the, the life of Christ manifest His life through us. And then all things become possible. We can forgive because we've been forgiven so much as we understand that we can offer grace to others. Change becomes inevitable when we let Christ have His way in us. And the, the result is that we will be more and more like Jesus. So when you want to go one way and the Holy Spirit wants you to go another, you, all you have to do is choose to yield. And if you take it at that point, just say, I am choosing to yield to do things God's way, then it becomes a reality and that life begins to change. So we need to yield for the blessing. When you want to get angry, Christ says, walk away. Because I am the Prince of Peace. Don't go there. So receive God's peace and don't get angry. Receive God's peace and be uh, loving and kind. Put on peace. Put on self-control. Draw from Him the life that you need. Each time we yield to the Holy Spirit, how many know it gets easier and easier to submit to God? And the more you do things God's way, the better we will enjoy life. With the better quality life we will have because we become more like Jesus. And it begins with understanding His working in our lives. I'm going to ask if you would just bow your heads in a word of prayer. We've been very honest this morning. And uh, I, I pray that you'd forgive me. But I, I really want to ask if, if, if there are things in your life and I, I want to be the first to raise my hand. But if, if there are things in your life that you realize, hey, maybe some things have got away from me and uh, I, I need to put off certain things, whatever those certain things are, the, the issues that the Holy Spirit is trying to enlighten 
you with right at this moment. And you realize that you need to put off these things in order that we might maintain this beautiful new life that God has purchased through us, through the cross. If you desire to put off some things and you know that you need to put on some new attitudes, I'm just going to ask if you would raise your hands and, and uh, I would like the privilege and the honor of praying for you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, I, I want to be the, say I am the first to raise my hands. I'm still working for increase. So I will pray for you, but if you would pray for me as well. Lord, I just want to lift up those who have indicated this desire to, to be like you, to, to surrender, that you dwell within us. There is a power available to us to bring about a transformation in our everyday life. Thank you, Lord, that you are empowering, you are aiding us, and you're working within us, Lord, to put off certain things. And Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters who have been brave enough to acknowledge that there are some issues in their life that they want to deal with. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just arrest those issues right now in the majestic name of Jesus. That, Lord, we would choose by an act of our will and say, God, by your grace and by your power and by your strength, I will put aside dot, 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 you fill in the blank. Lord, I am going to put on the new man. I'm going to put on Christ-likeness. I choose to yield. I choose to follow in the footsteps of my son. God, give, give us the strength today to walk in your footsteps. We want to be like you in every aspect of our life. Lord, it's challenging, I know. But Father, the grace of Christ enables us and gives us the power to bring about these changes. And so, Lord, as we put on, we want to put on dot 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 you fill in the blank Father God I thank you that you've not left us to our own abilities we in, in, in our natural selves are unable to bring about change we've tried many times Lord, to, to change in our own strength and we know that it doesn't work. But I thank you that we, we read this morning that you've come to dwell inside of us. That you are the power. You are the might that enables us to change. And God, we decide we want to follow in your footsteps. We want to change. We, we, Lord, we're committing ourselves to change. We're committing ourselves to letting you have your way in our life. Lord, forgive us for the times we've let you down, but help us to manifest this brand new life in Christ, that you've recreated us, you've made us anew in the image of Jesus. And so, Lord, let our likeness reflect your glory in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen.